North America's dealing with devastating weather events thousands of miles apart, involving fire and water and disrupting the lives of local communities. In a moment, we'll have the latest on the evacuations in Canada, where the residents of Yellowknife are scrambling to safety. Then we'll focus on the aftermath of the Hawaii wildfires. But we start in California, where for the first time, a tropical storm could hit the southern part of the state over the weekend. Hurricane Hillary is a Category 4 storm. It's expected to make landfall in Mexico later today in the state of Baja California, seen here. It's forecast to downgrade to a tropical storm before hitting Southern California, with San Diego and Los Angeles in its path. Preparations are already underway there, including working to shore up hillsides. Officials are worried about landslides and major flooding. The last tropical storm to hit California was in 1939, over 80 years ago. Well, this map shows the predicted path the storm might take. Yesterday, the centre of the hurricane was located roughly 400 miles south of Mexico's southern edge. President Biden spoke about the preparations underway. I also want to note that my team is closely monitoring Hurricane Hillary, which is, has the potential to bring significant rain and flooding to Southern California. FEMA has prepositioned personnel and supplies in the region, and they're ready to respond as needed. I urge everyone, everyone in the path of this storm to take precautions and listen to the guidance from state and local officials. Well, David Roth is a weather forecaster with the U.S. National Weather Service. He told me what to expect from Hurricane Hillary. The storm is moving northward and is expected to near the coast of Baja California Peninsula um, in about, I guess that would be on Sunday morning. And then the center itself is going to scrape the coast up towards Southern California. Now, once you get north of Point Eugenia, which is that little peninsula right in the middle of Baja that juts out into the Pacific, uh, the water temperatures get very cold. So we're gonna have the combination of cold water, increasing vertical wind shear from the upper level low and upper level trough up to its north-northwest, that's pulling it northward, um, and land interaction with the peninsular ranges of Baja, California that extend into the southern part of the state of California in the United States. They're all gonna work to weaken the system. Um, it's probably not gonna have a whole lot of central thunderstorm activity um, by the time it gets to Southern California. But that's not really where we're expecting the main threat. We're expecting the main threat to be from all this moisture, instability, and strong winds that are coming up from the Gulf of California to the east of Baja. They already saw an uptick in shower and thunderstorm activity today across Southern Nevada and portions of Arizona. And that should really increase over the next few days. Sunday and Monday are expected to be the worst days for heavy rainfall. And the general forecast calls for 75 to 150 millimeters of rainfall, just broadly, with local amounts to 250 millimeters. Now, if we were in the southern and eastern United States, this might have uh, some just a modest impact, um, depending on the place, maybe a moderate impact. But we're dealing with the deserts, and the ground is very hard. You're dealing with rugged topography. Um, the mountains come up very sharply. Um, you're also dealing with, there is, because it's a desert, whether we're talking about the uh, Mojave Desert, which is the lower desert, or the higher desert up in the Great Basin, you're not dealing with a whole lot of vegetation except in the mountains. So every time it rains in some of these places, 
um, these washes, which are basically dry rivers or dry riverbeds, they activate. Suddenly you have these rivers and streams where they really haven't been in a long time. David Roth speaking to me earlier. 111 people have died and more than 1,000 are still missing following devastating wildfires in Hawaii. Thousands of homes and businesses have been destroyed in Maui. Among them, the world-famous restaurant and music venue Fleetwoods, owned by musician Mick Fleetwood. Our correspondent Sophie Long has been talking to some of the employees who are now raising money for the relief effort. Calculating the human cost of this tragedy could take many months. So much was lost here. Man, Lahaina is, uh, I mean, it was the capital before it was Honolulu, you know? The kings and queens used to live in Lahaina. It, it, was, a, it was a sacred place. Lahaina town and the community of Lahaina uh, epitomizes, like, culture of the Hawaiian story. Uh, it, it's a crazy, vibrant town that actually was alive and wasn't just, wasn't just a, a tourist attraction. All the surroundings of that town was a real community that lived and breathed uh, way before creatures like me even knew about this island. So many buildings burned, but one had a special place in the hearts of locals and of people around the world who all flocked to Fleetwoods on Front Street. It may have been owned by a non-native who happened to be a rock star, but it had Hawaiian culture at its heart. It was my job, it was my responsibility to just keep the Hawaiian culture there. That was one of the first things that, that I feel like Mick wanted to do since opening. He wanted to always have a Hawaiian presence there. Kately is our, our kumu, so he would do an ole, a chant in Hawaiian, talk about the connections of the Hawaiian Islands from the Hawaiian perspective. And then I had the blessing of being able to do so, not just playing the bagpipes, but kind of as a bard to share the amazing connections between the UK and these Hawaiian Islands. You know, people come and they look at the Hawaiian flag and they say, yeah, why is the Union Jack in it? And then they go on with their holiday, they don't think about it. But it's not, this is the only place in the world where the Union Jack flies and was never officially a British territory. All those who worked at Fleetwoods, more than 120 of them, have now been accounted for. But many of them have lost everything. They've all lost their jobs and a place they called home. For a lot of people working there, it, was, it wasn't just a job. It was, it was a second home, you know. What would you miss most about Fleetwoods? Everything, from the smell of the wood to the sun on my back, standing there with the eight, eight yards of wool, the sound of the crowd, the interaction, the smiles between people that know each other extremely well as a family. The whole place, it really was magic. Lahaina Town has, has gone, but the culture has not gone. It, in fact, is being reminded about how important it is. What it will be, I don't know, but it, it has to have a sense of history to it. Uh, and have a hallowed vibration, a hallowed tribute to what happened there.
People here are overwhelmed by grief and the journey towards healing will be slow. But they hold on to hope and the breathtaking beauty that remains. Sophie Long, BBC News, Maui. The Western Canadian province of British Columbia has declared a state of emergency as the country deals with its worst wildfire season on record. The western city of Kelowna is under threat after embers blew across a lake from neighbouring West Kelowna. And residents of the remote northern city of Yellowknife, which is threatened by a huge wildfire, have been scrambling to leave. An official deadline to evacuate has already passed. Our North America correspondent Peter Bowes reports. The scale of the emergency facing Yellowknife and its 20,000 residents can be seen in these satellite images. Smoke billowing over the remote city as fire rages all around. Everyone's trying to get out. There have been long queues at petrol stations and for buses to ferry people to safety. With just a few belongings and their pets. But how to get out? is the problem. Air is going to become the only option at some point if the fire keeps encroaching further and further toward Yellowknife. There is just the one road south to the rest of Canada. It's a small road, one lane in either direction for about 400 miles, 600 or so kilometres. It is a huge distance. There's virtually no infrastructure to get people out by road. Dozens of planes have left the city over the past few days and more flights are being arranged by the Canadian military. The federal government's promised that no one will be left behind. It's scary. I keep crying. I don't even know how long we're going to be away. It's a race against time for Yellowknife. Officials fear strong winds could fan the flames towards the outskirts of the city within hours. This is a country under siege from wildfires. A separate blaze in the west threatening Kelowna in British Columbia is growing at terrifying speed. There are more than a thousand active fires burning, half of them out of control. Canada's worst ever wildfire season is showing no sign of letting up. Peter Bowes, BBC News.